the Bruins Benders Podcast, Season 3, Episode 18 with Maddie and Smitty. Shit, OT again? <laughs> and it's brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is one of your, is your only one-stop shop for all your NHL and ECHL and AHL and PHL and PC, whatever that was. OHL, WHL, any other leagues, CCHL, Hockey East, all the leagues. Yeah, all sure. of the hockey. Yeah. Right there and follow on X at inside underscore the underscore rink. Download the inside the rink app to get extensive Bruins coverage. What if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, subscribe to the inside the rink YouTube page. And we have some information right now on how to sign up for ESPN plus. Thank you for watching the show. If you enjoy our podcast and want to support the show, consider signing up for ESPN plus via our link at insidetherink.com slash ESPN, or scan the QR code on your screen now. I have ESPN Plus, and I personally love all the college sports, UFC, MLB, and NHL games all across ESPN platforms. Over 1,000 out-of-market NHL games are on ESPN Plus every year. Make sure you hit the QR code or go to insidetherink.com slash ESPN to make sure you don't miss out on any of this year's NHL action. And if that wasn't enough for you, ESPN Plus is currently offering a bundle of ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, and Hulu for $14.99 a month. You get sports, the kids get Disney, and Hulu is the added bonus. It's the perfect bundle. I personally have it, and I don't know what you would do without it. I have it too. Yeah, go ahead. I have it too, and it's good. I enjoy it all. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have any kids at the house, so I use the Disney for myself and the Hulu for myself. But uh, yeah, so uh, sign up for it. What the hell, you know? Get, yeah, get, you get yourself some hockey and and get the kids some programming and watch the Hulu. What the hell? Sure. What the hell? What Just the hell? Do it. do it. Yeah. Do it. You know what the Bruins should do? Win a game in regulation. They should do that. That's what they should do. That would yeah. be sweet if yeah. they did do that. Six straight. It's a franchise record for uh, wow. overtime games in a row. The last, the, uh, the previous record, five times, 1930. So it's been a while. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a long time ago. It, 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 sure, yep. It's almost 100 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, wow. It's not Claude Julian played a 0-0 either. I mean, they're blowing <laughs> leads and it's yeah. not that thing either. No, they're you blowing know? leads like nobody's business. Not really yeah. a great sign for a team that wants to, uh, you know, go far in the playoffs. <laughs> No, I know, and it's not. And you don't want to get into overtime games in the playoffs and all that type of thing. And you want to wrap games up. You want to finish the thing up and win the game and not blow the late lead. Uh, Rapid Review had a four-game road trip. Yeah. Blown leads, a lot of fucking overtime. <laughs> and uh, the only really bright spot, I thought, was Charlie McAvoy had another OT winner in there. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. talk about a guy. There's a guy who steps up. He had an OT winner and he had a shootout winner. Or maybe a couple yeah. shootout winners, right? Did he have right, a couple? He did. Yeah. The nine, the nine round shootout. He won that one, and then uh, I thought he had another one, but maybe not. Um, I don't know. They they all blend together. I was up late. The games were all late. West Coast games, you know. I, I and they all went to overtime. So you know, all of that shit blends together after a while. You get tired of tired of watching the team collapse in the third period. They just go into a defensive shell. They don't make any plays coming out of their own end they're just content to flip it out off the boards it's like yeah. why why does it cha- why does the mentality change there 
uh, late in games where that's that's your play instead of trying to pass the puck to a teammate. You're just high glass in the fucking thing every time. And then the other team just gets it, regroups, and, and is right back on top of you. It's it's yeah. really not a recipe for, for success or for good hockey, for that matter. Yeah, I, you know, look, I... I I don't get it. Like you must coach that, right? Like coach, coach it. So you're not taking tough angle shots three on three. You're not high glass in the thing for transition the other way. Like just maybe just a little bit too careless in three on three sometimes. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, three on three, I think they're at a disadvantage anyway, because they don't have great speed on the team. Right. So a guy just blows by someone man-to-man coverage and you're kind of screwed i mean that's that's it you're kind of screwed you can't play the team concept the layers like jack says you can't do that whole thing so that puts them at a disadvantage anyway yeah i mean i think that's one of their biggest issues with three on three is that you have to play man-to-man and they're not a man-to-man team so they're doing something uh with a lot more open ice that they're not used to so guys are getting beat one-on-one because they're not used to playing man-to-man. Their communication is terrible. They just pass mm-hmm. guys off like like they were still in a zone and, mm-hmm. and let guys walk in for, you know, really quality scoring chances. I'm surprised they haven't lost all their overtime games, honestly. You know, if they, if they don't win a face-off, you know, they're, they're screwed. Um, and, and it just it hasn't worked out well for them. And I don't really know what the answer is other than win games and regulation. That's that should be the answer. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the answer. Just tie the thing. Just just get the thing all all nice and, and neat and finish the thing. Yeah. And not blow the lead. Yeah. And not have to go to overtime because you're not great in the shootout. No. You're not great in overtime. Like, can you not? Like, I guess in the playoffs, you're five on five, so it's yeah. probably different. It is. I mean, it, it is. is different. Yeah, it is. It is different. So let's not get so emotional about the whole overtime loss thing because it's a different game. Almost completely. Yeah, I mean. But you don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, as bad as they've been over the stretch and out of the all-star break, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but out of the all-star break, they're 3-3-5 three, three, and five out of the break, which isn't great. And on this trip, they were 1-0-3 oh, in a four-game trip. But they still got five points out of eight. So, I mean, as, as bad as they were and as frustrating mm-hmm. as it all is, they still they still got five points out of eight, which, you know, is some is, you know, fine. I mean that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a fine road trip. It's not a great yeah. road trip. It's not a good road trip. It's not a bad road trip. It's fine. It's great. It's fine. good. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they could have done a lot better than that because they had leads in all the games. So you know if they if they win the games instead of overtime losing them and getting the loser point, they're the king mm-hmm. of the loser point. Jesus Christ, king of the loser right. point. Um, but yeah, I mean if they would just hold on to some of these leads and and take care of this stuff in regulation, they they'd be similar to where they were last year probably. Sure. You know, 14 overtime losses tied with the Islanders for the most. And going away, I mean, they are six more overtime losses than the next team in the Atlantic Division. Yeah. They have 14 of them. Yeah. Like you said, they get the points, so they're 82 points. They're tied with Florida in the top spot, and they're eight points ahead of Toronto. But they are five wins behind Florida. Like, there's really no way, unless they go on a real run, to win the division now because you're five wins behind. Yeah. So you'd have to have more points uh, because you'll never have more as many wins or more wins. Yeah, the regulation wins, yeah. Yeah, the regulation wins. So, yeah, I mean, right now they're in the top spot. They're at 82 points. They have have, uh, 22 games left. So that's a possible, you know, 44 points. So they're going to get – 
easy 100, 105, 110 points, sure. or whatever, on the season. Great season, especially after what people thought they might be this mm-hmm. year. Um, but it's but it's still maddening because now we know they're better than we thought. So now now can you friggin' win the games? Like you can you can do it. So that really is the question, yeah. though. Are they better than when they thought, or are they now kind of getting back to the level that they should have been all along? So, well, that's a good. That's a that's a valid question you know now that they've they've been into the season and they're you know the dog days and they're tired like is this really who they are is it the the kind of middling middle of the pack team that they've been since the all-star break are they the team that started off really hot and Mm -hmm. and 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 played really well at the beginning of the season i mean they've shown that they can play really well and they've gotten up for some some uh games against against good teams where they've you know shown up they beat vancouver at home four to nothing and a Mm -hmm in a game that was two of the top teams. So they have shown flashes of it, but can they sustain that really good play or are they more of a, you know, in the middle type of team? Well, I mean, you talk about it with players, the same thing with teams, like consistency is the thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, really good teams, like great teams are very consistent. Mm -hmm. You get pretty much every night. This is what we get. So maybe they aren't that good. So maybe they just are good some nights and other nights not so good because they don't have, I guess, the level of talent that they need to be consistent throughout. Like last year, they had all sorts of talent sure. and they blew through the thing. Mm-hmm. This year, they're more inconsistent, which is more normal because yes. this is what normal teams do. <laughs> right. You know, a little spoiled, a little spoiled. A while. Yep. Yeah. So that was like an added chirp. So we'll begin a seven chirps sponsored by Lops Brewing, Lobster Brewing and Tasting Room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers, open seven days a week. Use the coupon code SPORTS for 10% off your online order at lopsbrewing.com. Follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events on the social media. Now, chirp number one, this is the most complicated trade deadline in Sweeney's tenure with the Bruins. Can he pull it off? What the sh- what should the focus be? You know, I I was reading uh, Ty Anderson earlier today, and it was a really interesting article, and it was basically talking about you know the different needs of the Bruins, and they really have a need kind of everywhere. So that really was what makes it kind of challenging. Like, you know, do they need a fourth line guy that kind of would replace Milan Lucic that could bang? Yes, they do. Do they need uh, some defensive depth? Yes, they do. Do they need a top four defenseman? Yes, they do. Do they need a, uh, a center? Yes. Do they need a scoring winger? Yes. So there's all, there's all these holes on the team that they really need to fill. But at the same time, you have a bunch of guys that are coming up for expiring contracts. Your Jake DeBrusque, your JVR, your Forbert, your Grizzlick. You know, so should they be looking to sell off some of these guys if the offer is, is, is too good to pass up while at the same time trying to supplement some of these holes that they have? It's really a kind of complicated thing that Sweeney's going to have to deal with here. And, and, you know, do you think that he can, you know, make the moves, whether it's selling guys and then bringing other guys in or, you know, going a straight sell or a straight, you know, bringing guys in? Or do they just stand pat and say, you know, it was supposed to be a bridgier all along. You know, this is what we're going to roll with going forward. And then we'll spend in the offseason when we have the cap space. 
Okay. Yeah, you know what? I think that that's why you're starting to hear things about DeBrusque and Allmark a little more now. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe the team is, you know, he's tried it and he understands he doesn't have the assets and he, or the he, the assets that he needs to get rid of, like a Morai, Lysel, Patra, he doesn't want to. Right. So I think that he doesn't have enough and he doesn't have any real picks. He doesn't have a ton of picks. Yeah. So he doesn't, so he doesn't have enough to give teams what they want. So now you're starting to hear about Allmark and DeBrusque and maybe, and maybe you need a hockey trade, mm-hmm. you know, but here's the thing, like they're going to make the playoffs and oh, yeah. this team, this team constituted right now can win in the first round. So you can get to the second round with this team right here. You sure. Can. Yeah. I mean, you can, if they're playing right and they get the goaltending and in Pasternak, I mean, if you, if you get, if you're injury free, pretty much, you can win the first round thing. And that's kind of what the Jakes want anyway. So I think Sweeney, it's going to be interesting to see if Sweeney will really try to make a hockey trade, get rid of a couple of guys on the roster, which he never really does, um, to get a return to make the team better. And can he do that? Like, has he, has he, done, has he done that thing? Like, he's had a lot of great trades. Sure. He blows the trade away. Mm-hmm. Like, many. You could list off a ton of them. But... Has he had a hockey trade where, like a hockey, like the thing I, the one I can think of is Jimmy Hayes and, and uh, Riley Smith. Sure. Like he lost that one. Yeah. Like that's, that's one where he thought he'd get the big, the kid with size and the local kid and trade Riley Smith who had some problems in the room and all that stuff. And then Riley Smith becomes a much better player. Sure. And that was a bad trade. So does he, has he had one of those where you can really grade him either way? And I don't really think he has. So I don't know, or I can't think of one. I mean, the only other one I can think of maybe is like, uh, and you can't really give him, I mean, you can give him credit for the Taylor Hall trade, but that was for, that was a forced hand. The only other one I can really think of is maybe the Charlie Coyle one where they gave up Ryan Donato too. Right. Uh, and he was a prospect who was, in our eyes, legit at the time. Right. And he, yeah. you know, he had some NHL time, I think, maybe a little bit, yeah. you know, a, yeah. a sampling. Um, so that's really the only other one that I can kind of think of. Um, but right. yeah, doing it in season and, you know, do you trade DeBrusque to Calgary, you know, for a guy like Hannafin? Do you have enough to get a guy like Hannafin? I'm not sure you do unless you include in, you know, your low rise or your Lysels or your Merkulovs. And, and, you know, do you want to do that? You know, you have to kind of weigh, does bringing Hannafin in help you more than sending DeBrusque out? I think it probably does um, because as much as everybody loves DeBrusque's 200 foot game, um, he's a UFA. He's going to be looking probably for a raise and he's just not producing. And it's not that anybody hates Jake DeBrusque. Like people are like, Oh, if you, if you are, are all over Jake DeBrusque, you don't know anything about hockey. It's not about Jake DeBrusque's 200-foot game, which is fine. It's great. But for the money that he's getting paid, he has to produce. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if he wants to sign as a third or fourth-line guy and come in at a million and a half and produce like he's producing, sure, great, fine. But he's going to be looking for a raise. So are you going to be paying a guy 5 million bucks or 6 million bucks a year? That's going to be you know, scoring 15 goals and is streaky and, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of them. So I think maybe you have to move a guy like that. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree. Like it's, it's, it's not about that and you're right, but he's doing kind of more third line things. You know yeah. I mean? He's playing a decent 200 foot game. He puts one in every once in a while. He doesn't really play make, 
I mean, that's always been the knock on him. Like, he's not a playmaker. He doesn't get a bunch of assists. Like, he's a he's a guy who just comes down the wing and scores goals when he's on. And when he's not, he was he was a floater. Now he's not so much of a floater. Like, he's bought in, and they've coached him up enough to him to, for him to be fine in a 200-foot game and even penalty kill some. Like, he's fine. But that's third-line stuff. Like, that's yeah. three million bucks. Right. That's, you know, that's that's not six. You know, that's not yeah. what he's going to want. That's not long-term. That's not any of that. So and I, I, I agree with you. Like, it's not that I don't like Jake. I, I like the guy. And I think he might even go somewhere and excel. Who knows? Probably will. But, but he, he get hot. And when he gets hot, like, he could score 25 again some year. Sure. Of course he could. Yeah. But I, I just – and the other thing is you've got to give to get at this point if you want to really make a run at this thing. But can they decide what they really need, what really wins, and and make that trade so that you're – Maybe it's an even-ish trade and you're taking some risk, but for this team and for a playoff run, this is what you need, and it works, and you advance deep into the playoffs. Right. Can they do that? And I don't, Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know, and they don't know either. So so I don't know. I, I don't know if you can do that, and I don't know. I still don't think they will. Like, I, at the end of the day, I still don't think they'll pull the trigger on a 50-50 we're sticking our neck out here trade. I just don't think they will. No, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I don't think they've really ever done it in season. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they like upsetting kind of the locker room chemistry during the middle of the season. If anything, you know, you'll trade a guy that's on the fringes for, you know, a pick or you'll trade a, high, a low pick for, you know, a guy that's a depth piece. That's usually what they do um at at the at and around the deadline so i feel like that that's gonna be it's gonna be a similar type of move uh to that but you know maybe they'll surprise the shit out of me and if they do Mm -hmm. you know we'll have something to talk about um yeah i'm with you (laughs) if they surprise the shit out of us then great that'd be great podcasting that's what i'm saying you know so hey let's try it yeah let's try it let's try the damn thing uh chirp two the bruins since the all-star break have the 18th best points percentage with a record of three three and five they're also like 28th when it comes to leading after two or something. Is that what it is? Or uh, yeah. Is that thing? They're yeah. Leading they're, after two periods. Yeah. Or, they're like 27, one and eight or something like yeah, that. Eight overtime losses after, after leading after two periods. Yeah. Is this who they really are? Yeah. So we talked about it a little bit and um, I'm, I think they're probably somewhere in between. I don't think they're. I don't think they're this bad and I don't think they were as good as they showed at the beginning of the season when they got off to that hot start again. Um, it, it's just, they, they don't have the same depth that they had last year. I think their defense is not playing as well uh, overall as they were last year. I think their third pair this year overall has been fairly disappointing. Um, you know, forward was hurt for a part of that. And then, you know, kind of a revolving door of Wallace Boone and Shattenkirk and, you know, Grizzlick was there for a bit. And, uh, so I, I just feel like overall, they're not quite where they should be right now, but overall they're probably, you know, somewhere a little bit better than this and a little bit worse than they were, you know, at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they're, they're a good team. I mean, they're, they're a good team. They're a really good team. And right now, I think it starts to get into your head. Sure. Too, yeah, confidence. Like, yeah. you know, last five minutes, we're up a goal. Like, here it comes again. Like, something's going to happen. And it does. It does really start to fester. 
And, you know, it's something they got to have to correct in some sort of way. It's also fi- like finding the right lineups, like finding the right deep pair, like finding who you're going to go with. Um, you know, do we want Pasternak out there for extended periods when we're up a goal? Like, does he take longer shifts? Does he take shorter shifts? Does he take a shift off? Like, who? I don't know. Like, do you go, do you go with the guys you really trust defensively? Like, you got to figure that thing out. And, um, you know, hopefully they do. Right, Sharp 3. Yay or nay time. How about Ottawa's Josh Norris? So I would be in on this, except I, I believe last night. Uh, we got to stop putting these guys uh, in this thing because I think it's like a, yeah, it's like a jinx on him. Yeah, yeah he yeah. he got hurt and left the game, I think, with an upper body, which he, was either a shoulder or possibly a collarbone. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Really? so I, w- I would have been in because he's a big he's a biggish kid. He, um, you know, has fallen out of favor there a little bit. Uh, but he wins faceoffs, and he has scored. I believe uh, a couple of years ago, he scored twenty five in a season. So yeah, he, he does. So he 35. does have. Yeah. 35. Oh, thirty five. Yeah. yeah. So he has yeah. some. He has some offensive talent for sure. So he yeah. would be a guy that I would definitely be in on. Uh, and he's still young. I think he's 24, 25 years old. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, that would be a yay for me. And I think even with the even with the injury, I would still pull the trigger on that one. So there's no progress, uh, Jake DeBrus says, on any contract extension. Mm-hmm. Are you yay or nay on trading him? I would trade him if you could. Yeah. If if you could trade him to say Calgary, f- with okay. uh, maybe your first, and uh, I think you'd have to throw in a pot in a prospect. I don't think I'd be willing to trade Lowry. Um, but if you had to throw in a Merkulov or a Lysel in there too to get Hannafin, I would do it. Okay. Would you settle for Chris Tanev? I wouldn't give all that up for Tanev if it was uh, no, not for him. Yeah. No, uh, and I don't even know if I would trade DeBrus straight up for Tanev. I think Calgary would have to kick in a little more in that situation for me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think Tanev, Tanev, I'm okay with if it's a really low kind of you know. Whatever, well, so I saw a thing on Twitter today that was saying that the price for like your Tanevs and your, uh, geez, there was a couple of the guys that were mentioned. Um, I can't think of who they were, but it was not Hannafin. It was Tanev. Walker um, in Philadelphia. Wa- there you go. Walker and some other guy. And it was all first round picks. So. Mm. Well, it's all first round picks. Yeah. See, this is what I'm telling. This is what I'm saying. Like, I don't think they're going to make, like, they might get some scrap heap, ham and egger, like third pair guy. And that's in maybe like a fourth liner on the, uh, either on the way out or who really isn't very good. And that's about it. Like, I don't think it's going to happen because uh, I don't even know if they can get much for Allmark. I mean, what do you think they can get for Allmark? I'm not sure what they can get for Allmark. Goalie, goalies, for some reason, in trades, just don't get a lot. You don't get a lot back for those guys. I'm not sure what, yeah. what the reason is for it. I don't either. But you, don't just, either. you just don't seem to. Uh, I don't know if it's the position isn't valued as much um, as it as it should be, because I mean, you can you can see clean uh, clear as day. If a team has shitty goaltending, they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I you can also it, I think you're seeing it in the in the salaries and length of time. And absolutely. You're seeing it in the in the pairings like teams are playing both goalies more. So why would you spend all this money? Seven, eight, nine million dollars on a goaltender. Uh Mount you just and maybe your goaltender gets hot. I mean, we've seen teams lately where yeah. goaltender just gets hot out of nowhere. Like Bob, like Bob, 
last year. Like, it's like he's been great in the past, but he wasn't great leading up to the. No, he had a he just friggin' catches fire. Yeah, he had a bad regular yeah. season, and then he caught fire yeah. in the playoffs. Right. I mean, yeah. it happens. So it I think you bank on that more. So I think that's why they don't get as much. You know, because they're not going to play as much. They're going to play, you know, maybe fifty games. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you could probably, you could probably get. I don't think you could even get a first for Allmark. I really don't. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think really you don't. could probably get a second for him. But mm-hmm. if you're the Bruins, why are you trading? You know, a, from a right. from a strength for a second round pick? Like it just doesn't make yeah, any, doesn't sense. Make any sense. No, no you're better no. you're better off keeping him and right. and riding with with uh, you know what you have that duo that and you that have. Guy, and that and that team is probably a playoff team. So that second round pick is like in the fifties. Right. Exactly. Like it's, it's down the board. Like mm-hmm. it's not. It's it's a crapshoot pick. So you don't you don't want to do that. I mean, you you want to get a guy that is a young talented player. Or you want to get a good prospect, or you want to get a first round pick. Yeah, like, you know. So, so yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Allmark will go, and that's the problem now is that in the off season, I think you should trade him. I really think they're just going to let him walk. I think I think he's going to play out the string, and let him walk. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I think that's yeah, what's going to happen. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I just don't think they're to value for him. Uh, number four, chirp four. Bruins announced a nine and a half percent blended increase in ticket prices. Uh, any thoughts on this? By blended, it means they're sticking you in the blender. On this one, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't understand it. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, there are already some of the, <coughs> excuse me, some of the highest prices in the league. Um, you know, balcony tickets are, you know, upwards of a hundred dollars. Uh, lower bowl, I think, go as high as mid two hundreds now. It's just, um, I don't know. I, I. I was talking with Connor a little bit about this uh, yesterday, and I feel like, or he feels like that the uh, because the cap is going up, so the 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 Jacobs have to spend more money on salaries for the players mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. jack the they jack up the ticket price to to cover that. Sure. And that's sure. and that's the reason that they do it, and it's a shitty reason yeah. and a shitty thing. It is because uh, they they make a ton of money. He owns all the concessions right. too, so yeah. they they they're doing fine, just fine, and and don't really need to to jerk over the fans, but they but they do it anyways, and and it prices out a lot of the hardcore fans. They've priced out already a lot of the hardcore fans, mm-hmm. um, uh, just because it's it's uh, you know prohibitive to go to a fucking game now. You're better off going to uh, flying somewhere else or driving somewhere else, getting tickets there and and watching the game there and staying overnight and driving home. And it's probably yeah. less than yeah. than go just going into Boston to see a game. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean we we had you know we had tickets with ninety five bucks so we had we had nice seats at, in Tampa. Like, yeah. Right there, like it wasn't. It wasn't like prohibitive. Like you know what I mean. Like some of these tickets are in the bowl, like a high two hundreds. Yeah, a seat. Yeah, like it's just and and look that whole like we're spending money on pasta thing. You spend to the cap, which is pretty much the same friggin' cap the last four years. <laughs> like it's not like you're spending any more money. Your your team payroll is about the same mm-hmm. every year. So you haven't increased really anything. Did you invest in a player longer than you probably want, like him and McAvoy? Sure. But that doesn't mean you're spending more money no. than you were. Like, that's just not the same. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. And, and they, look, it, they, they, they charge it because they can get it. 
Sure. That place is banged out every night. Mm-hmm. Is it 500 in a row, whatever it is. It's banged out every night. They get all sort. They get any ticket price that they want. It's 152 dollars in the in the balcony now. Like 152 dollars in the balcony is uh, is high. Like that's just ridiculous for like a Wednesday night against Winnipeg. Yeah. Like that's. I mean, come on. Like it should be. It should be tiered more. You know, if you want to, if you want to, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning come in or Edmonton or whatever, some team comes in that's really good, Colorado once a year, then yeah, bang people for a couple hundred bucks. But if it's friggin', you know, New Jersey again for the third time in two months, or like, Buffalo or yeah, or Buffalo, Columbus, like, yeah, Ottawa, like then, then you know, drop it, drop it down. Like I had, it's, um, I don't know, it, but look, they're gonna pay for it. The, the team, the fans are going to go. It's the, it's really the worst kind of taking advantage of loyalty there is. Like Bruins fans are so loyal to a fault mm-hmm. and ignorant to a fault sometimes, but they go to the games. Like my dad says all the time, as an usher of the garden, he's like, "There's more burnt out women, you know, crawling into the garden every night watching the Bruins with their leather jackets on, screaming and yelling, drinking Miller Lite. Like that's, you know, that's what they're going to do. They spend their whole paycheck on it and they go to the game and scream and yell from the balcony and you know that's what they do so they're gonna keep getting it and i can't go you know i can't go because i'm you know fiscally responsible you know, that's, not, <laughs> that's that's my bad uh chirp five among the 16 current playoff teams the, the bruins ranked 14th in Corsi four percentage when leading in 15th and high danger chances allowed who's the most to blame for their collapses late in the game I think it's probably a combination of things, of factors. I think coaching staff certainly has to be to blame because it hasn't been fixed and it's been like this all year long. So, um, you know, if the, if the player and certainly the players deserve fault for it, I'm sure they're not coaching them to like be turn, you know, turn it over late in games or, you know, um, you know, take a bad penalty late in the game or anything like that, you know, and maybe some of it's bad luck, like the goalie interference call on, on geeky coming out of the box the other night scores, what seems to be the go ahead goal. And it's taken away because, you know, the NHL hates goals. So, you know, it's probably a combination of factors, but I feel like, um, you know, some of it has to come down to how they break the puck out and do they need to make adjustments to that? And I think that goes to coaching. I think that's mm-hmm. the defensive, you know, coaching staff. You know, can we do something else late in games to get pucks out of the zone and with possession rather than, you know, with, um, you know, just chipping it out? Because it, it right. and that's part of what there has been their biggest problem in the playoffs. When teams forecheck them hard, they turn the puck over. And that they're going to see the same stuff in the playoffs that they see late in games because teams pinch hard down the boards and then the Bruins, uh, you know, have issues getting the puck out of the zone. You know, unless McAvoy or, you know, Grizzlick or somebody makes a slick pass or something and, you know, you make a couple of two, three crisp passes to get out of there, like it's off the glass or it's, you know, in somebody's feet or, you know, it, yeah. it's just that's part of the game where they struggle and you, you really feel like, the coaching staff needs to come up with something else to help out the players there in that in those situations. Do you think that they play any differently than they did with Cassidy or their style? 
uh, only as only as far as the defense uh, getting involved in the rush more. Yeah. So, so like the weak side D, like when they Bruins think they have it along, like say the wing boards, the weak side D will start to jump up in the rush and look and can be another outlet pass there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the only real difference I see. And maybe in the offensive zone, the weak side D cheats down lower into the circles to see if they can get a rebound or, or be another play there, um, right. you know, for somebody to pass to, but. Other than that, not really. And I think because yeah, they yeah they seem to be like really north south quickly. Like let's get it let's get it up quickly. Right. And that's where against the four checking teams, like you say, they turn it over or they make a bad pass because they're trying to go north. Like a Julian, it was it was east west east west east west work it up, and now it's north south, which I like more. Like don't get me wrong, like I'd rather this style. But at the end of the game, like you're trying to advance the puck, like you're down two goals, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I feel like they kind of, you know, they're trying for hope plays late in right. games where they should be, it should be more of a controlled breakout. Like they're just flipping it out to center ice and hoping somebody can skate into it and win a puck battle. That's not really yeah. what you're looking for late in games yeah. when you're protecting a lead. Uh, so I wouldn't mind seeing them go more east-west in order to main, you know, maintain possession of the puck in order mm. to break it out cleanly, you know, if that's what it takes. I don't know what it takes, but, uh, you know, I'd be willing to try some different options to see if they can find something that's going to work. And obviously, once they do find something to work, teams will make adjustments and then the Bruins will have to adjust back. And that's part of it. You know, making adjustments during the course of a game or a series or or even late in games where, you know, maybe you take a timeout and you say, look, this is how they're defending us now. This is what we need to do in order to break the puck out against this kind of pressure. You know, there's certain yeah. other things I think that you can do to kind of, you know, alleviate some of that and, and hopefully be able to close some of these games out. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I, I think that there needs to be some adjustments there. I just don't know how, you know, and maybe they have been. Look, I'm sure I'm not, you know, the coaches know more than I do. Right. Like, I'm sure they're working on this stuff. In the, in the, but also bad habits are hard to break. And, and the psychological part of the thing, like we're going to screw it up, that's, that plays in it too. I'm sure they've tried to make some adjustments. Maybe they'll find a, something to help. But uh, it just seems like, you know, and now – this is a really, I mean, we've been waiting for the time where Monty really has to coach it, like really has to coach it. And this year has to be more coaching because last year they had such a wagon. Mm-hmm. Like, so this year they've been playing really well and the coaching staff's done a really good job with the transition, but there's times now, and then we get to the playoffs, it's going to be nut cutting time for, for Monty because if they, if they go in and, and it's a big wet fire in the first round again, then what are we doing? Like, what yeah. are we doing? Like, now you have to start questioning, like, is this the right guy? I mean, everybody loves him. He's the right temperament and everything. And I guess what that's what the players say. People like him, likeable guy. But now it's like, okay, now we're going to start really getting on you. And now it's, are you are you producing? Are you, is this team, you know, getting to where they need to be? And are you making the right choices? And and I think that's that's going to happen. Like that's yeah, I mean, it already is. Yeah, and I think it will be. I think I and I think you have to wonder about guys like Sacco and and Chris Kelly that are the you know the forward coaches and the D coaches too. Like, what is Sacco doing to to, to fix this problem? Right. Sacco you know, has like nine lives. He's I, like he a, he's like a I'm he's he like does Siamese cat. He does. Like he just man alive. He just like he I just he was fired three years ago. Yeah, I mean, he just sustains. <clears throat> he's just there. Yeah. 
He's just there Good all the time. Good for him. So I, mean, I yeah, but you, but you wonder. Yeah, but you wonder, like, is is he going to, uh, you know, is he going to see, you know, if they flame out again in the first round and the defense looks terrible again, like, uh, he's got obviously got to be on the hot seat, I would think. Yeah, I, I, I would think, and I think he will be. And I think it's there's already some murmurings about it. Like, is he the guy? I mean, I see a lot of stuff on social media with the fans who, you know, look at some of the ten cent people, well, whatever. But they, they still, I think it's still starting. Like, they're really starting to question him and and that type of thing. And and I, I just, I'm interested to see, you know, it's toward the end of this year and then in that first round, if they just kind of go out, you know, just easily four to one or. God forbid for nothing or whatever, like then you really have to say, like, is he the guy? And I wonder if they really take a hard look at it. I do. Uh, Chirp six, Derek Forbort misses a team meeting, does not play against the Seattle Kraken. So in his absence, Bruins go with Parker Watherspoon and Kevin Shattenkirk pairing on the ice. 16 to three shot attempts in favor of the Bruins, nine, nothing shots on goal, one, nothing goals. Why does Forbort continue to get chances and one of these guys has to sit? I, I don't know the answer to that. I wish I did know uh, because right. I, I feel like uh, people have been making excuses for him. Oh, it's the groin. It's this and that. Look, he wasn't great at the beginning of the year. Uh, he hasn't been great. He's been worse since he came back. Uh, he does not offer you. Uh, much in terms of physicality and I don't know if it's he can't get to the guys at the front of the net or he doesn't want to engage them at the front of the net but he's a big guy on the back end and that's what you need him to be on the third pair especially I'm with you you got to banks and look Parker Watherspoon is not as big as Forbert is but he will certainly get his nose in there more than Forbert does so to me there's really no dilemma here at all it's Watherspoon and Shattenkirk and Forbert can pound sand because he hasn't you know hasn't been offering them much of anything at all all year long so no I I, it's funny they they sent Mike Riley down the river like quick mm -hmm. like with his three and a half million bucks whatever he's making like they didn't have they didn't blink an eye but they keep giving this guy, and I don't know what he brings to the table right now. Like he said, he's not overly physical. Like I'm not saying he shies away from it, but he's not a rough and tumble physical guy. He's not really penalty killing as well as he used to. Can't skate a lick. Like can't do anything offensively. Like it's a, it's a, it's like he has a uh, an explosive on his stick when he when he's playing. Like I don't understand what he brings to the table now. Especially with Watherspoon being a nice surprise. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, Shattenkirk should be the guy, like your veteran guy, that's okay. And that should be your last, that should be it. Like, you shouldn't have another guy like Forboard is worse than Shattenkirk. Yeah. Like, he's a worse version of Shattenkirk. So, I don't understand why he's getting in there. Now, all I can think of is they're trying to get guys in and keep guys fresh and, and rotate that thing. Okay, if that's the case, then fine. But Forboard is costing you. Big time sometimes. And we've talked about this before uh, last year, probably when it was, you know, we're trying to keep guys fresh and, and, and this and that, and they're trying to keep the wrong guys fresh. 
Like if you're if you're trying to keep guys fresh, take McAvoy out of the lineup and let's get him fresh. Or Lindholm, let's make Lindholm fresh. Let's not make the guys that are playing fucking twelve minutes a night fresh. Let's keep right. the guys that are playing thirty minutes a night fresh. And so right, gotcha. and like I, I so I don't I, so that I I don't buy that at all. That that doesn't hold any water to me at all. And and then you you look at guys. And a guy like Grizzlick too, you know, we love Grizz, mm-hmm. you know, good regular season player this year. He's dropped off the table and that happens with smaller guys happen with Tory Krug guys. Just, you know, they're, they're little, they get banged up a lot of injuries, a lot of mileage, a lot of time. And he, he does not bring anything to the table. He's a little guy who gets pounded around in his own zone and offensively, he doesn't bring anything to the table. His career high in points is like 21. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. 15 or 18 or something. He he doesn't bring you anything offensively. So what does he bring you? Nothing. I, I hear you. Nothing. Nothing. So he doesn't. He doesn't. Four, we're the same. Yeah. yeah he doesn't. He doesn't do anything defensively to help you. He doesn't do anything offensively to help you. So he's just a little guy out there taking up minutes. That's all yeah. he is. That's all he- so and you're paying him three and a half million bucks. Mm-hmm. So. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand what they're doing with the defensive, uh, pairings and, um, who's getting playing time over whom. Why, why not, why not bring Regula up? Doesn't he have like a plus minus through the roof? Like why not bring him up just to see if he could handle something. Then you'd have another guy and then you could say, you know what, Grizz and Forbo, we're just going to send you on waivers and send you down and. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. Witness protection. Here's a, know, here's a little foreshadowing you know? too, by the way. Foreshadowing. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, it maybe, is. uh, maybe you do that. No, but uh, I mean, from, I... from a little later in the, in the podcast, a little foreshadowing right here. Oh, foreshadowing. Speaking of, foreshadowing. speaking of, speaking yeah. of, uh, Alec Regula. Stay, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, some of it is they have incredible loyalty to their players. Like they give guys chances like no other team, I believe. I don't know what it is. And I think it's a directive that comes from management. Like I think, you know, with Montgomery, and I think maybe that was part of the problem with Cassidy too, is I think management loves to have the hands all over the roster, the lineup, who's in, who's out. Like, I think they want to have their hands all over that, especially Sweeney. And I think that Montgomery is the type of guy that just kind of lets it happen. And Sweeney can say, do this, put this guy in, do this, do this, do this. And I'd like to hear someone discuss or try to get to the bottom of, how involved is Don Sweeney on the nightly lineup considerations? Like how much? And I think it's a lot. That's interesting. I think it's a lot. I I, it's a I, lot. Yeah, I mean, I definitely you can see that Sweeney and Neely uh, want to be involved because I, yeah. I mean, I feel like both of them still want to play to a certain to a certain degree. Right, I think they do. I read Neely does. He wants yeah. to put someone through the boards. Yeah. Right? So uh, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised by that at all, really. No, I, I wouldn't either. I'm telling you, I, I think that's true. Um, Cause you can't as a coach with a good conscience, keep rolling out these guys or keep playing this type of style and, and, and get behind it. Like there has I, to be something I mean, going on there. yeah. I mean, the only other thing I can think of is they don't think that there are better options out there. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if that's true or not true. They probably know the minor leagues better than we do and, <clears throat> and how guys will respond. But Alec regular is a guy who has played NHL games. So, I'm not yeah. sure why he or wouldn't taste. get a look uh, or yeah. a taste when um, yeah. you know they're they're struggling kind of in that in that right. spot, um, you know, especially with a guy like Lindholm hurt. Like, why is it Ian Mitchell? It's another small guy. 
um, you know, who has struggled in the NHL level that, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I hear you. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there are better, like, what's your, what's your top say? Okay. With Lynn Holm out and he's coming back soon. He was on the ice today, I guess, with the, with the assistant. You know, he's probably going to come back sooner than later. Should be ready for the playoffs. But let's say, you know, even right now, like, who, who is it, you know, in your, in your, in your, who are your six defensemen? Who am I six right now? Right now. Well, Lynn Holm. Uh, I would go Watherspoon McAvoy, honestly. Okay. I would go Watherspoon McAvoy, and then I would go Lowry, Carlo, Carlo, and I would go. Uh, I suppose um, Grizzlick and Shattenkirk. Grizz, Grizz Shattenkirk. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, I mean one of those. So when Lindholm comes back, Grizzlick's out for you, me. And you are Watherspoon Shat. Yeah, and and then your top four, you know, whatever you want to do with those four. Yeah, to you to know. me, if when once Lindholm is back, it's it's uh it's McAvoy and and Lindholm and then right. Carlo and stays with Low Rye and then Watherspoon Schottenkirk. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I I don't see Grizzly in, in Warboard no anywhere near the ice until someone gets hurt. Like they're they're the seventh and eighth defenseman. Uh, those two guys, depending on the side that you need or what have you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, Sherp Seven. Are there any positives with this team right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, we just talked about a whole bunch of negatives, a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of holes that the team has. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, the positives right now on this team, there are a few, not many, but a few. Um, one of them is David Pasternak is shaping up to be, you know, a Hart Trophy finalist. He's, uh, you know, 80, 38 goals. He has over 80 points. I think he's fourth in the league in scoring right now, maybe fifth. Um, but, um, you know, where would they be without him is, is, is something, uh, Charlie McAvoy's played really well. And then I think the goaltending and, and that the goaltending has really been the key all year long. Um, so I think those are probably the biggest positives for the team right now. Uh, Connor says the the positive is the trade deadline is two weeks away. Uh, So, but we'll see. We'll see if they, if they can afford to actually do anything at the trade deadline. Um, I'm not sure. We, we talked about that a little bit and we're not sure that they have enough to, uh, to go out and get anything of, you know, that's substantial uh, and whether or not it's just going to be a fringe move uh, or do they really, you know, make a real hockey trade. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that, that all pans out. What do you think? Do you, do you have any positives well, right I, now? I think Charlie Coyle has been excellent. Did you okay. say Coyle? Yep. I didn't, yeah. but that you're, you're so right I about think that. Coyle has 49 points in 60 games. Like he has, as a 31 year old, he's having like, you could argue his best season ever. It It like is. He, it will it be is. when the season's over, it will be when his best season over. over. Yeah. I mean, his best season up to this point was 56 points in 2016-17, seven seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Like, he's at 49, 21, and 28. Like, he, his next goal will be a career high. Yeah. At 31 years old. Like, he's been outstanding, and he's been a guy who can actually win faceoffs at 52.2. Yeah. Like, when, when the team struggles in that aspect at times. He has 84 hits, you know, on the season. Like, he... He's done extremely well this year, and he needed to step up, and he did. And I'm stunned that at 31 you can you can just repackage your career 
and have your best career year. I mean, it says a lot about him when he can come in with with a renewed sort of responsibility with Bergeron and Krejci yeah. gone, and say, "Okay, Charlie Coyle, you're the num- you're the number two center." When everybody thinks you're a better number three, including us, mm-hmm. and then you go on and have the best season of your career, that is ballsy. Sure is. I yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I didn't want to I mean, say Coyle because because uh, there's a little a little more foreshadowing, but he is. Uh, <laughs> he's he's going to talk about him in, in in a little bit on the podcast as well. Nice. So there you oh, go. I love it. I yeah. love it. And when we get down to the Providence Spotlight, which I don't even know who it is, but the Providence Spotlight, <laughs> we're going to talk about who you would trade okay. off the Providence roster. All right. It's coming up next. <laughs> uh, coming up next. All right. Drafting sports Fire it out. <laughs> it's live right here in Massachusetts. Bet local on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home at DraftKings. To celebrate, all new customers will receive up to $200 in bonus bets. When you sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook using a code ITR, you can now bet local on money line spreads, props, and more. With one of America's top-rated sportsbooks, that's DraftKings Sportsbook, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up with the code ITR to get up to $200 in bonus bets to use. Now that mobile sports betting is live in Massachusetts, that's code ITR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, call 800-327-5050 or visit helplinema.org to speak with a trained specialist free and confidentially 24-7. Must be 21 plus, physically present in mass. Eligibility restrictions apply. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements, eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Opt-in required. Bonus issued as free bets. Terms at DraftKings.com slash M-A. The beauty this week is... Here's your foreshadowing, the aforementioned Weymouth's own Charlie Coyle. This will teach those filthy bastards who's lovable. (laughs) A lovable dude, local guy, three goals in his last three games, career high in goals with 21 uh, and only seven points off his career high in points with 22 games to go. Yeah, well, I mean, you just sung his praises. I don't think we I have did. to add any more on to that. Charlie like Coyle having was the term having one yes. hell of a year from from uh, in the in the pivot for the Bruins. Hundred percent, all the way. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And our yeah. bender uh, is also the aforementioned Derek Forbort. I'm a bender. <laughs> he um, misses a team meeting, uh, doesn't get to play, and then the two guys uh, on the third pair play a hell of a game in his absence. And uh, I real, really feel like he shouldn't see the ice again for a while unless uh, somebody gets injured. That's just my own I, I'm with you. personal and I, and I, Did anybody hear why he missed it or the excuse behind it or what happened there? Because I didn't think he would be that type of guy. Like, look, we have problems with football. Yeah. But, well, accounts, good veteran guy, good guy, like, you know, his, his dog and all the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> like, I, you know, he, I, you know, but I don't think it seemed to be that type of guy, but this is not only him missing this, but DeBrusque, DeBrusque had an issue earlier this year, missed, kind of missed one or something. Yeah. Not something you typically hear from Bruins uh, players. No. And uh, it seems like the coaching staff now is just airing them out. Like you, yeah. you, you miss shit. We're going to give you, you know, you're going to feel shame. Go to the penalty mm-hmm. box, feel shame. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have a problem with it either. Cause you know, no. if you're going to be a professional and have, you know, people on Twitter and everything backing you and saying, you know, all this stuff, 
you know, one way or the other about you, nice things, not nice things, you know, you should, uh, you should yeah. be responsible for, you know, right. carrying yourself yeah. in a professional as I, manner. As I, as I told my, my basketball team, like you can't show up whenever the fuck you want. Right. Like you can't, you can't, you no. gotta, you gotta show up on time when time is scheduled. Yeah. That's why we have schedules. That's why we do it. That's why we tell you a time. That's why there's a clock in, in God created time. Yeah. So that's that what, yeah. On time. Yeah. So right. we keep track of the time when we play the game. So, you know, right. you gotta be, right. so you wouldn't be late for a game. So, you no, know, you wouldn't be late for, no, that's why I tell the kids all the, that's, you wouldn't be late for a game. Right. right? If it means on time, you're here an hour early. Like you're ready right. to go Yeah. practice. You know, I'm waiting for you to tie your sneakers, yeah. you know, five cent, like well, knock it off. Um, centennial season spotlight. If we go to big Z, Sedano Chara, number 33, uh, Really turn the franchise around. Look, 2006, they sign him. They get Mark Savard, and the culture changes. They're terrible that first year, mm-hmm. but they get better quickly. And by 2010, I'm going to say 2010, you could arguably say that they were the better team in the league when, yeah. before Krejci gets hurt. Uh, so within four years, the thing is right uh, to Stanley Cup level play. Yeah, he and he deserves uh, most of the credit for that. Uh, right, I would say because sure. uh, he came over and was instantly the captain and, and really changed the culture and the way um, that the team was going to prepare and, and, and uh, compete every night. And he certainly embodied that, you know, I think nothing more than when he uh, had his job broken and, and, and came back out for the next game uh, in the playoffs there. So, um, you know, toughness and, and uh, you know, a responsibility to his teammates and, and the fans in the city that, uh, you know, he was going to show up every night and give a hundred percent. And, uh, next Jersey to go up, you think? Yeah, he, he'll, it'll be him and then yeah. him and then Bergeron. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, good. So Providence Bruins beauty of the week. Another foreshadowing the aforementioned Alec regular. Yeah. And he deserves it. He was he the, deserves- uh, AHL Bruins defenseman leads the league. With a plus thirty-three uh, rating and Jesus. and wow. leads all Providence Bruins blue liners with twenty-four points, so he even gives Ooh. you a little bit of the offense there, eh? Yeah. Scored more than Matt Grizzlick. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, third-round pick, sixty-seventh overall by the Wings, and uh, he's still only twenty-four years old, so he's still young, isn't he? Youngish. Yeah, I think so. Two thousand eighteen. Yeah, she's still youngish, or maybe twenty five. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they should give him a shot. Right handed defenseman. I think they should give him a shot. Like I, I don't know why they're not kind of throwing him out there for a couple and see what happens, kind of thing. Because he certainly deserves it. I mean, he's played extremely well. Uh, honorable mention: the the Bruins uh, PK, the P Bruins PK unit, four short handed goals in their three wins over the weekend. Yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. I think they may have had, and I could be, I could be wrong about this. I think they may have had three in one game. They did have three in one game. And I remember when the Bruins had three in one game, it's actually on YouTube. You can find it. Yeah. They had three shorthanded goals in one in like two minutes or something, or maybe even the same power play. Oh, I think it was just, the same power play. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. That they scored uh, uh, three. So uh, P Bruins are getting it together. So they're uh, much uh, playing much better and, and so forth. Pro- prospect spotlight. How about goaltender Reed Dick? He's a, a sixth-round pick playing with the Swift Current Broncos of the WHL, uh, 183rd overall. 
He has a 9.15 save percentage and 2.59 goals against in 28 games played. He was named the WHL's Player of the Week. And he's really come on. Like you, We've talked about the Bruins' development of goaltenders. And his stats were never great. He was always a kid that was big and athletic. And they tried to groom him to be a goalie kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it's working. Yeah, I mean, he was he's always been on kind of bad teams, so I I think his stats were never particularly good. But, uh, you know, he's putting it all together now. Um, and uh, the Bruins seem to have, you know, another goalie in the pipeline. They're going to have some some questions because I believe Bussy and DiPietro are both, um, you know, non-waiver guys uh, after the season is yes. over. So they're going to have to make some decisions there, um, right. you know, and, and yeah. see if, uh, you know, those guys want to stick around or if, you know, one of them's going to go somewhere else to see if they can get more of an opportunity. So um, yeah. it's good to have, you know, a guy like Dick in the pipeline so you can, mm. you know, keep that goalie prospect uh, cupboard full. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was an excellent play on words there, Dick in the pipeline. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> solid commentary. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try. Uh, okay, Providence Bruins. Providence Bruins that you are you consider untouchable as a trade deadline. Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I would I'm trade. Weird. I would I'm trade weird. every single guy. Yeah. On the roster. I'm with you. I'm with you. Even Lysel and Rakulov. Yeah, in the right I deal. In the right deal. The right I wouldn't deal. just like, give them away. The only guy I'd be really hesitant to trade is Lowry because I think he has a skill set, especially offensively in size and such, where he could be a really good player. Like he could be Dougie Hamilton 2.0, I think. Like yeah. He could be that type of guy. And Dougie Hamilton's pretty good. I mean, we all make fun of him, but he's a pretty good freaking player. I mean, so, off, off, you know. uh, he has offensive skills You because yeah. he, he played mostly forward. He didn't play, start playing defense right. until later on in his career. And, right. you know, defense a lot of times are late bloomers. So he's still kind of growing into his defensive game. And he'll make mistakes. But mm-hmm. the size, the offensive ability, and the, you know, the reach and the skating, that's hard to teach. So uh, he's a guy that I probably wouldn't deal unless it was a you know, you were really blown away by a, by a package. Like, I don't, I still, I don't, I don't think I would include him in the Hannafin trade just because I feel like he's a, you know, obviously not the same caliber as Noah Hannafin is, but he is a big kid who's very cheap contract wise right now. And you could sign Hannafin in the summer possibly. And then you right. got both the guys and you didn't have to give up anybody. So He's a guy that I'm really not looking to trade. I mean, he's on the Bruins now, so I kind of skirted around that. I got, I got, a, I got out of that one because he's not on yeah. the, not on the P, P Bruins now. There, so I could say trade, there you go. trade everybody. There you go. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I, I trade anyone but him. I trade Patra. Sure. I trade the goalies, all of them, except for Swayman. I mean, I, this is not NHL roster. Yeah. So I would trade Patra. I would trade Bussy. I would trade any other goalie they have. I would trade. Anybody, I trade Lysel, I trade Makulov, I would trade any of those guys uh, in the right deal. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to really talk to me about Lowry. Like, you have to convince me on that. And if I was blown away, sure. 
If I was yeah, if, if you, that's fine too. Yeah, I mean, if someone's saying, you know, you can have Kale McCarr for a low ride yeah, and, you know, <laughs> right, some right. things, I'm, I'm making right. the trade. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, um, right. you know, unless you're, you're blowing me away, I'm not, I'm not including him in a, in a deal. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I just, I, look, I think that people romanticize and fantasize about these prospects and mm-hmm. think that they're going to be great. And Patra, we had that in the beginning of the year. Like everybody was on the Patra train. Sure. Like he was just hot as a firecracker. But when it, when it settles down, you're like, look, you know, you could trade Patra for a legitimate, you know, a legitimate young center. Like I'd include him in a Josh Norris trade or some, you know, I, I'd include him probably in something like that because those guys have been known to like, they've, they've, They've done it in yeah. the league right. and they're 24 years old. Like I do that. Like I would do something like that. I would do something like that with Patra and, or even Lorai, if it was a really good player, like if you could get a really good player, if you get Tim Stutzel or someone, or you right. get someone yeah. like that was really good. Um, then yeah, I get Tage Thompson or something, you know, just something sure. out of whack. Then sure. I do that. Um, yeah, and I would, and I, I'm with you. I would trade, I would trade Patra in the right deal. I still think Patra is going to be a really good player. Um, I don't know what his ceiling is. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he'll ever ascend to like the All Star kind of caliber right. guy. Like, is he going to be, you know, a Matt Barzell, Mitch Marner kind of a guy? I don't know if he'll ever reach that. But he'll be a really good player in this league, I think, for a long time. He's just young still. He's got some he needs to put on some weight, gain some strength. But I think, you know, he will be a good player in the league. But I would include him, like you said, in a trade right now to get a young center. Sure. Absolutely. A guy that's already done it in the league. I, I wouldn't think twice about that. Yeah, I and I'm with you. I just I just now at this point, like I think you can if you can take what you've had in your drafts, which you drafted down the board, off the board, everything. Like if you can take some of these guys and turn them into legitimate NHL players, then you do it. Yeah. Then, then you do it. Like if you, if you're able to do that, then you've done well, like you, you've done well to get mm-hmm. NHL caliber players from what you had, which was not a ton. It was not a lot. And you don't have a lot on the back end now either. Like the rest of the prospect pool, you're going to stay right down in the thirties mm-hmm. because it gets thin quick. So I'm I'm with you on it. I'd I'd, I'd let him go. Uh, all right, week ahead, the Vegas Golden Knights come on in with Bruce Butchie Cassidy mm-hmm. tomorrow night, seven p.m. And then the Bruins are at the New York Islanders on Saturday, March two, and on March four, it'll be at Toronto, and then a back-to-back Tuesday, March the fifth, home against the Oilers. This is a tough one. Oh boy! Yeah, tough little stretch here too. Team on the road that they, they, you know, historically they had some troubles with, and then of course Vegas, Toronto, and Edmonton are three of the most talented teams in the league. Absolutely. I mean that's a that's a tough one. Then you got the Maple Leafs again, then the Penguins, and then the, you know, you get Blues, Canadians. So it's it's a. It's not easy right here, and hopefully they can get it right and start getting back into finishing up games. And this will finish up this podcast episode. We will see everybody again next time. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Mm, Bye-bye.